0: Good morning. This is Nick Augustine here with Mark Scroggins at Scroggins Law Group in the Frisco office. And today we're going to talk about what happens at final trial in a custody or divorce situation. If I'm going to final trial, what do I expect?
1: That is a really good question, Nick. And hi, everybody. Um, And one thing real important to mention with with us being here in uh, in Frisco, we are in the middle of, uh, or actually past the middle now, of build-out on the new Dallas office. Very which exciting. Is, yeah, gonna be uh, is in energy square. So down basically Lovers and uh, Central, so better serving our East Dallas and Park Cities clients. So just thought I would throw that out there. That's something that I'm really excited about. We're looking at very beginning of March move in date. So very excited about that. So I will be spending a little more time in Dallas than I typically
0: there do. There we go. And if we're in different chairs, that will be why.
1: Then you'll know why. All right. Uh, although we'll have a similar look. So now <laughs> Back to what we are here for today. Yes, sir. So the important thing to remember is only about five percent ish, five to ten percent of cases go to final trial. Uh-huh. Closer to five. Um, so if you're if you're going to a final trial, it's because all else has failed to to reach an agreement. Okay. Now there's some cases where you're just not going to reach an agreement. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, child custody can be one of those types of cases. You know, mom feels that she's. She should be primary. The kids should live primarily with her. Mm. Dad feels that the kids should live primarily with him. Well, mm. you know, it's real hard if both are stuck in that and can't come to any resolution. And neither one, let's say, either because of where they live, um, a 50 50 possession schedule is not viable, or um, the parties are just so dead set that just that doesn't work. Okay. Mm. So, so typically to end up going to final trial, you know, you're you're one of a very a, a limited number. Okay. Now, if you go, there are a whole lot of different issues. That means that, you know, you've tried to settle the case, you've been ordered to go to mediation, you've gone to mediation, mediation has failed. Now, having said that, there are times where you can reach an agreement on certain issues in mediation or you know, even without going to mediation. Let's say in a mediated settlement agreement. And so maybe Maybe you were able in a divorce case, you're able to reach a resolution related to the property division, okay, mm-hmm. all the property issues. And so all you are going to trial on are the child custody matters, okay? So then you've done a really good job in narrowing the focus of the trial, and that will help you as far as what your spend is on trial. Uh, but then there's still a whole lot of issues there. So Texas is one of those very rare states um, where you have jury trials. I like to say special states. Yeah, well, you know, we were born and raised in in Texas, so, you know, we all think we're special here. That's right. Um, But, I mean, it's really unique in in that that regard. And it's very limited, okay? So, the jury, you can have a jury trial on certain issues, um, but it's limited. Um, So, like, you can have a jury on property uh, as far as, like, what the characterization of property is, meaning, is the property... Uh, separate or is it community, okay? So a jury can make that determination. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get over into custody matters, a jury can make a decision on uh, conservatorship, okay? So are the parties named joint managing conservators? If the, if the jury names, names the parties joint managing conservators, they also have the ability to name one or give one the exclusive right. To determine the primary residence of the kids, okay, just like they also have the ability to name someone sole managing and someone possessory, okay. So, so that's one of the big things that that comes up. If you're going to a final trial, is it a bench trial, meaning you're trying it to the court, or is it a jury trial? Okay, there is a vast difference monetarily. A jury trial is a hell of a lot more expensive. Uh, the the manner in which the trial is conducted is vastly different. It is more formal than the other. Um, So it's just, it's a different beast. I mean, so what might be say a, a day and a half to two day bench trial, a lot of the time turns into a week long jury trial. So that's a lot to deal with. It's a lot. And I mean, so the preparation that goes into that is significant. I mean, you have jury charges you have witness list. Now you have witness list and stuff before, but I mean, there just there are a whole lot of other things that you're going to have.
0: How often do you, is it a situation where you're going towards? Well, you're you need to be prepared for a trial, mm-hmm. and you may have a jury trial. You st- are you still wanting to settle that settle issues up until the last moment, or at what point do you you know?
1: Well, and that's that's a great question too. Um, so here's here's the thing. Okay, so. You have to make a jury request Mm -hmm. and pay the fee if you're gonna have a jury trial. So when do you typically want to have a jury trial, okay? Well, let's say you've been having a lot of hearings, temporary order hearings, uh, other things that really have not been going your way, Mm -hmm. okay? At that point, you might want to request a jury trial because if it has become, if the writing is on the wall that the judge is not siding with your particular story and your client- That's a very good point to make. Then yeah. you, you need to look at what are the other options, okay? And so what do you do in that regard? So that's a lot of the time where you have a jury trial that's going to be requested in a child custody matter or sometimes where it's complex. Um, and um, usually though, it's going to be a situation where the court isn't seeing things or you're, you're not getting a read that the court is seeing things mm. the way you want. Or maybe you think that particular court is a little predisposed against certain things. Okay. You know, there's some courts that hand out 50-50 possession schedules all day. There are others that very, very rarely do that. Um, there are some that very rarely hand over custody to death. You know, there are some that, you know, abide by what the law is, which says that gender shouldn't play an issue. Well, that's nice. You know, you know so so there are all these different things that, that come into play. And that's why it's really important to have these detailed conversations every step along the way with Mm -hmm. your attorney of what's going on, where are we, how, what are our chances of success? If we're not going to get there doing it this way, what increases our chances of success or at least our opportunity to have the possibility of success? There you go. Yeah. So make sure that you, you know, you want to hire a damn good trial lawyer. Okay. Make sure you hire somebody that's board certified or uh, a firm that's run by a bunch of board certified lawyers. And uh, that they know what they're doing, that they've got a lot of trial experience. I mean, that's something that we've all got here. Um, And talk about what you can prove to the court, what you can prove to a jury, what is going to work better in the particular situation that you have. Do you have a child custody evaluation that didn't come out for you? Do you have an amicus attorney that's been appointed that does not seem to be seeing things your way? I mean, so there are all these different things that you want to talk about along the way. Then you also need to talk about the cost of this with your lawyer, because the, the price of a jury trial goes up significantly. So sit down, make sure you hire the right folks and then talk to them all along the way so you are well informed and you understand what's going on.
0: Well, Mark, we talked about what happens at final trial and what some of the options may be. Well, right. let's now talk about experts because oftentimes to prove a lot of our allegations, we need experts. So, what experts may be called in a final trial?
1: Whew, boy, there can be a bunch, and it depends on um, it depends on what the issues are. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Um, like we were talking about a little before, a lot of the time on a child custody uh, case, where you will make a determination of, hey, I want to go ahead and pay the jury fee, want to take this to a jury, is if you've got a child custody evaluation that maybe hasn't come out your way, or if an amicus attorney has been appointed and that attorney uh, seems to see the other side as being uh, closer to right. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that might be a time. But so when you get the when when you're going to trial, let's let's break it up into property and into child custody matters, okay? Um, and so the child custody applies both in modifications, suit affecting parent-child relationship, as well as a divorce decree where or divorce case where there are kids involved. So in a child custody case, you might have a child custody evaluator, okay? You might have a therapist for the child. There might've been psychological evaluations that were performed of the parties. There might've been psychological evaluations that were performed of the kids. So. There are a whole litany of different experts that generally fall within the mental health category there uh, that are gonna come into play in child custody matters. Other experts that you might have, you might have an educational expert, Mm. okay? Um, It is becoming more and more commonplace, especially with how difficult getting into college is for kids and how competitive it is. You know, I went to the University of Texas, okay? When I went, it was the top quarter of your class was an automatic admin. Okay. Now granted that was back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth in 1985. Yeah. My daughter is at the university of Texas. Now uh, is actually there at law school. Now she went to undergrad as well. When she went, it was automatic qualifier was top 7%. It's now top 6% and it's just getting less and less more and more. Right. So with that, you've got two different issues. Sometimes, you know, those, those still apply, yeah. uh, those automatic admits, wherever you're going to school, right? But there are different school districts that prepare you a hell of a lot better for college than others. When I went to the University of Texas and all of a sudden I had to study I was like, what is that, man? Yeah. I never had to study before. It was kind of, you Not know, I did what, I did what you I had to do. You are just so smart. <laughs> I just I thought- had the ability to coast a little bit. So that was a shock to the system. Yeah. Uh, my daughter went to Plano, okay? And I can tell you from all the AP classes and everything that she, she had, had to study. they did a wonderful job of preparing yeah. her. Um, so she was used to that. Yeah. But there are certain school districts... Um, that prepare kids for college better. And so you might have an education expert to say that, you know, little Johnny wants to be an electrical engineer. Here are the best electrical engineering schools. because even though you have these automatic admits, mm. okay, it doesn't mean that you automatically get admitted into the college within the university that you want. Right. So you might get an automatic admit to UT, but you might not be able to yeah, get that, into the business school. Yeah, exactly. You might not be able to get into engineering school. You might not be able to get into the school of social work. You know, all of these different things. So all of these apply. And then if you're trying to get into the honors college and all of these. And graduate programs. Yeah. I mean, so it's all, these are all really important things. So let's say that someone is, you've got someone that is uh, going to go be in a Collin County school district. And you've got someone that is, uh, the other parent wants to move to Houston, and so they're in uh, the Harris, Harris County, sure. okay? So if you're trying to look at, depending on where this person is going to reside, who's gonna be doing better, mm-hmm. who's gonna prepare them better, these are things that you wanna talk about. Same thing, you know, let's say that somebody lives in a little bitty town, you know? Do they have the resources to adequately prepare them for that, or are the kids gonna be better involved there? Also what are little Johnny or little Susie into? You know, are they, are they big time athletes? You know, so do you have access to club volleyball, club baseball, uh, you know, training programs? It's amazing the stuff that all these kids are into now. It's kind of scary and sad in a way. Um, but it's just, it's part of life now. I mean, so that's another piece that comes into play. So they're all of these different pieces. Let's say that you had a child custody evaluation. Okay. And the child custody evaluation didn't come out in the way that you wanted. Mm-hmm. So, do you hire another mental health expert who has expertise in that area that can then look it at the report together, and right. and can testify as to the areas based on the evidence provided uh, where that doesn't match up? No. You know, on the conclusions that were met, did they not? Uh, did they not adequately deal with the? Um, The other content that they were supposed to look at. Did they not look at the other uh, or spend adequate time with the other witnesses that they should have? Uh, Is the information stale? Was the last time that they actually talked to somebody six or nine months ago? Mm -hmm. You know, so there are all kinds of different issues. That's the same thing that comes up with the therapist. So let's say that you had psychological evaluations done. Let's use a a buzzword that everybody has heard of now. He or she's a narcissist. Uh Uh-oh. Right? Well, everybody says that. Guess what? Everybody's got a little bit of narcissism. You have to have it to survive, okay? But being diagnosed as a narcissist is different, okay? So if that diagnosis has transpired, Mm -hmm. how was it reached? Did they do things, uh, you know, what testing was performed? Was it objective testing? Was it subjective testing? What part of it is subjective? What was relied upon in reaching that... That uh, that diagnosis. So mm-hmm. there are a whole lot of things that come into play. And so, as you can tell, that's good
0: stuff. I love that. Lawyer. Yeah,
1: it, it's just, it's really interesting, but it's a lot of stuff that comes into play. That's just on the child custody That's just on side. custody. I mean, right. we haven't
0: talked about attorney's fees. We talked about that last time, right. you know, or different property issues and stock options. Right. You know, so many of those things can hold over and end
1: up. So, that's a whole nother thing. So, we start, let's. Just leave that alone and understand that we could talk about that, you know, on a couple of different pieces. Mm-hmm. On the property side, you know, you let's say that there's a business that's owned by the, yep. the parties. So you're going to have a business valuation expert. Mm-hmm. Let's say that there are questions of community and separate property mm-hmm. and the intermingling uh, or commingling, I should say, of some of those. And so you need to have some monies traced in different accounts. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have a computer forensic, or I'm sorry, you're gonna have a forensic accountant that's involved, okay? Let's say that there are issues of text messages and emails and things of that that have disappeared, okay? So you might have a computer forensic expert Mm -hmm. who has gone in and taken a, uh, an image of a computer or a cell phone or an iPad or you know all of these different things that can testify about the data that was uh, that was recovered from that and can detail uh, timing of things that were erased. So was it erased when it was in anticipation of litigation? Mm. Was it part of a normal destruction plan? I mean, so there are all these different things that come into play. That doesn't even get into. Different assets that you've got. So let's say that someone has um, intellectual property. Well, so who's going to value the intellectual property? As the owner of it, you can testify as to what your belief is. But guess what? You probably need someone who's an expert in that arena. Same thing with oil and gas. Yeah. Same thing with commercial properties. Same thing with multifamily. Mm. Same thing with other single-family rental properties. Uh, I mean, so. You, the the number and types of experts that you can need is really almost inexhaustible this trial might go on for a long time it can, it can i mean so papers. it all it all depends now most most people don't deal with the vast majority of what i was just talking about right. okay if you remember god i'm trying to remember how long ago it was you remember when the guy uh, that owned Chesapeake oil and gas up in Oklahoma got divorced Billion dollars that you know, I think it was worth 18 billion at the time. His wife ended up getting just a little less than a billion dollars. Well, when you've got all of these things into play, yeah, a lot of this stuff comes up. Your average person does not deal with that, but they deal with some of it quite a bit.
0: You know, it seems also that all these experts who are involved are preparing their, you know, preparing what they're going to do. Whereas they're disclosed, that's leverage to settle as well.
1: Well, it is, and you know. So here's the thing that uh, you always need to think about. Okay, you need to be doing a cost benefit analysis. Okay, you know, spending twenty thousand to get ten doesn't make any sense. You know, spending fifty to get one hundred and fifty makes more sense. You know, so it depends on what you're what you're looking at, what the issues are. You know, Um, here's another thing: legal practices, medical practices accounting practices, mm-hmm. engineering practices, mm-hmm. you know, these are all things that have to be valued and, and determined. And guess what? Very rarely do both sides agree on what the value is. Right. Okay. So you're going to have a battle of experts typically and the methodologies that they followed in putting this particular number. On. Mm-hmm. So,
0: I, th- I think that this expert discussion that we've just had sort of circles back when we talk about board certification and why all this matters. Right. I could not imagine having some of these issues and not having the best lawyer I could find right. on it. Well and
1: that's why, you know, the this extra level of board certification in family law is so important. I mean of all the they're what, in excess of a hundred thousand lawyers in the state of Texas and I think there's it's less than three percent. Yeah. Somewhere between two and three percent. Approximately that are board certified in family law. So there's a reason that that makes sense. Yep. I mean, because a lot of the time, unless you do this day in and day out and at the highest level, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Exactly. So hire the right person, folks.
0: Yes. Okay, Mark, at the end of final trial, the court has rendered its decision. What comes next?
1: The drafting of the final decree. Okay. Um, so the court is going to order one of the party's attorneys to draft the final decree. Okay. Typically that is going to be the petitioner, Mm -hmm. uh, or if the respondent gets more of what he or she wants, it might be the respondent in that regard. In any case, typically the court is going to order. Okay. You know, they might've done a a memorandum order. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's what my ruling is. Very rarely when you've got a detailed trial, does the court just say, here's my decision right away. Okay. Uh, it happens, but, um, I find it more common that they say, okay, I'm going to get back to you within X amount of time. Uh, And frankly, I like that a little better where I've got a memorandum order so I can make sure everything is in there. And then the court's going to say, okay, you draft it. Well, you know, a decree with a lot of complex property issues and, um, you know, let's say even just a regular expanded standard possession order, okay? Yeah. Still is going to run anywhere from 40 to 60 pages long. Okay? There's a lot of legal ease that is in there. A memorandum order might be a page, might be two to two and a half pages. Okay. So you're taking all of that and you're putting it in the proper legal ease. And so sometimes the parties can basically agree on everything. Okay. Sometimes there is something that is left out of the memorandum order that has to be addressed by the court again. Maybe there is just something. That is vague, and it's not clear on a specific provision. There are also those lawyers that are known for trying to weasel some things in that are not there, with Uh-oh. the idea that you know someone's not going to catch it. And I think that's highly unethical. It could happen, though. I but mean, people can catch things. It does, and uh, so it's important that you make sure that you know adequate time is spent both on the drafting and the review of it, mm-hmm. uh, and so. So let's say that I'm ordered to to draft. Generally, I'm going to be given approximately two weeks. Okay, I've got to have everything drafted in two weeks, and over to the other side, the other side's generally given you know ten days to two weeks uh, to get that back. And then usually the court is going to set a uh, or a lot of them are setting uh, a an entry hearing, for lack of a better way of putting it, thirty to forty to five days out to make sure that it doesn't just sit there and gather moss. Right. Okay. Um And so if you can't reach an agreement, then you end up with what are called motions to enter, okay that are signed that you're asking the court to go ahead and sign the rent the uh, particular version of the decree that you have drafted uh, regardless of whether or not the other side agrees because you're saying this actually comports with what you have ordered. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of going back and, and forth on that. And so, um, you know, some things you can agree on, some things you can't. Obviously, you are still doing, you know, a return on investment analysis on this. Some things are worth fighting about. Some things are not. I mean, especially, you know, if you're spend, think about, you know, every time you go to court, you're going to spend minimum of a few thousand dollars, you know, minimum. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so it's important to think about that kind of stuff. But that's basically how that works. Then on top of that, there are other closing documents. You know, was there a house involved? You know, was there a 401k? Was there a pension plan? Were there other assets? So what needs to be, what are those closing documents do you need? Do Mm -hmm. you need a special warranty deed? Do you need uh, a deed of trust to secure assumption? Do you need a qualified domestic relations order? Uh, You know, all of these different things. So let's talk about what some of those are, okay? A special warranty deed is where I'm conveying my interest in the marital home or a piece of property to the other person, okay? That deed of trust to secure assumption is what is provided by the person who gets that property that gives the other person basically the opportunity to foreclose if they um, start missing payments, okay? That deed of trust to secure assumption is in place during the time of which, you uh, you know, generally you're going to have a refi mm. provision. So, uh, unless the house is owned outright. Okay. Um, or maybe somebody's got a refi to get a chunk of equity out to give to the other side. Okay. So there are all these different things that come into place there. Uh, a qualified domestic relations order. Why is that important? And how is it used? That's used to, uh, split retirement accounts so that it is not a taxable event. Okay. You know, <sighs> When the Supreme Court created these different forms for people to use pro se great in theory, <laughs> poor in practical application, mm, yeah. okay, because they're not designed to take care of all of these different things. So what happens? Oh, I'm gonna get half of your 401k. Okay, here's a check. Well, what just happened? That's a taxable event now, okay? Right. You pay 10% penalty and your regular tax rate on that, okay. If you use a qualified domestic relations order, it's just split, however it is split. Um, And it stays, you know, here's your part of your retirement account, here's part of the other retirement account, Mm -hmm. and you haven't created a taxable event, okay? So there are all kinds of things that are important uh, in making sure that you've got the proper closing documents. Uh, Otherwise, you know, you might have to come back, you know, and get some additional help. you know, uh, that's the other thing you see people do. Oh well, I'm gonna, you know, uh, I'm gonna give you X. I'm gonna give you Y, but it doesn't have a time frame on it. Mm. Okay, that's why most of the time you will see on stuff on data transfers at data divorce or or things like that. Okay, these are important things to know. Well, if you're a layman, you're not gonna know that. Why would you know that? You know why? You don't know what pitfalls there are. Now, if the other side is somewhat crafty, they might. You know, and then they can take advantage of it, tell you to go pound sand. And so what do you do? You know, I can tell you, I've gotten calls with people of stuff. They haven't gotten stuff out of, uh, you know, from from a divorce five, eight years later, you know, just was never transferred. Yeah. Well, guess what? There weren't any, you had some transfer language, but it was vague. Okay. There was no time on it. So, so you've got all these different problems.
0: Ideally, you don't want to, and as we talked about in our last conversation about modifications and things, I mean, that these things happen in right. um, enforcement actions. But that <laughs> the better we get things tied up at the end of our divorce after our final trial and everything that we're talking about, it right. seems like the goal is to try to prevent future problems. Well, exactly. Right. I mean,
1: you know, here is the thing. I mean, so property is one and done. Okay. Yeah. So you go, you go to trial on that. You don't go to trial on that. You resolve it in an MSA or whatever. Um, but the division in the decree is what it is, okay? Unless you have um, something that was fraudulently, fraudulently hidden uh, or there was just an undisclosed asset. Everybody forgot about a timeshare that you had, you know, that you bought 25 years ago at Disney. Okay. Well, so what do you do with that? Well, you have to come back and file a petition to uh, divide an undivided asset. Okay, uh, so the idea is you want all of that done. Now, with child custody stuff, you want to button that up as much as you possibly can. That is still is going to be subject to somebody can come back and try to modify if they can, you know, show that there's been a material, substantial change in circumstances. Um, you know, that's a whole nother discussion. And we've talked about that to some degree before too. But, um, so these are all things that, that you want to consider. And so you want to try to have everything buttoned up as much as you can so that the likelihood of having to come back is minimized as much as it possibly
0: can Absolutely. Yeah. That's the goal. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of good topics today and I want to thank everyone for their attention and watching our video or listening to the podcast and do share this with other people as you may find out that they're having issues and um, you know January is a big divorce month to February and Valentine's Day I remember working at a firm where we served a lot of people on Valentine's Day
1: it, it happens it happens the beginning of the year is just always it's really busy. it's it's really busy there's a lot going on so um, you know reach out talk to people when I say talk to people I should say talk to an attorney or multiple attorneys get your questions answered make sure you understand what is going to transpire and and hire someone that you feel that you can trust. Okay. You know, uh, and that you're not just handed off (laughs) on things. So it's real important because you're going to have, you're going to have a relationship with that attorney for a while. Yeah. Okay. And so it needs to be someone that you feel you can trust what they're, you know, how they're shepherding you through the process. All right. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Have a great day.